Welcome to Ideas Without Borders, the University of Waterloo Chapter's Engineers Without Borders podcast. My name is Simon, and I will be hosting the next three episodes to discuss global energy poverty. Recently, I had the chance to attend a three-day innovation lab held by the Waterloo Institute for Sustainable Energy, or WISE for short. This conference was a space for experts from all over the world and different industries to come together in order to establish networks and collaborations for solving some of today's complex energy access challenges. During this time, I was fortunate to pull aside and interview some of these attendees and not only learn about energy access on a personal basis, but also get insights on the industry itself. And as someone with little to no background before attending this event, I found this to be extremely rewarding. With that being said, I would like to achieve three goals with you, the listener, by the end of the next three episodes. The first goal is for us to learn about the energy sector in relation to development work. The second goal is to gain some perspectives from the experts who are dealing with its associated challenges today. And finally, the last goal is for us to be more aware by the end of the last episode on how we can get involved with the energy access sector through events such as public lectures, conferences, or even internships abroad with organizations such as WISE. Oh, and one more thing. Through producing these three episodes, I realized that not a lot of students have the time to commit to these events, as cool as they may sound. Are you one of these students? If so, have a listen to the next three episodes and let me know on our Facebook page whether we should produce more episodes like these. On the other hand, if you are an event organizer or somebody that's part of an organization that would like to reach out to more people on campus, send us a message as well on our Facebook page and see if we can get somebody out to your event to interview some people. You can find the link to our Facebook page in the description of this podcast. All right, so let's start off by seeing what this conference was all about from WISE's program manager, Nigel Moore. Cool. So yeah, my name is uh, Nigel Moore. I'm the manager of global programs and initiatives at WISE, which is the Waterloo Institute for Sustainable Energy. WISE started at the University of Waterloo about 10 years ago with our founding director, who's still the director of WISE, Jatin Nathwani. Creating an institute meant to bring together um, stakeholders both on campus, including researchers, students, and others, and off campus from private sector, public sector, um, NGOs that are working on sustainable energy-related challenges. First of all, within the Canadian context and the context of the Ontario energy sector, but increasingly uh, in a global context. And that's really where my work comes in. So uh, as the manager of global programs, I run a program called the Affordable Energy for Humanity Initiative, which we started about three years ago, with the goal of trying to harness the uh, intellectual capacity, the resources, uh, the expertise, of University of Waterloo researchers and of a growing network of international partners towards uh, solving the challenge of energy access and specifically access to uh, clean energy that is affordable for the one billion people roughly on the planet for whom electricity is not a part of their daily lives. Sounds like a really big problem indeed and something that'll take a lot of uh, skill sets to solve. That being said, you and the rest of your team here at WISE just recently put on a three-day innovation lab where you collected mm-hmm. select individuals from all different backgrounds, disciplines, and locations in the world to gather here in up- Uptown Waterloo 
and try and come up with new ways for collaboration in addressing the current and future upcoming challenges behind the energy access problem. Could you tell us a little bit more about this conference? What motivated your team to put this together and uh, how you came about to select the attendees that mm-hmm. ended up attending this event? Yeah, no problem. So this is the second of these AE4H Innovation Labs that we've run. And there are usually there are about 50 people that we've brought together each time for two and a half days. I think a lot of the sort of impetus behind doing the kinds of workshops that we did uh, was learned from the engagement of myself and our executive director in the summit series that's been put on by another organization in Waterloo called the Waterloo Global Science Initiative, which is a partnership between Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics and the University of Waterloo. And for the past several years, every two years or so, they've put on a, a major global conference brings together a very diverse group of people to tackle a complex issue that um, is of global importance and has you know science and technology sort of at the heart of it and I think that we sort of learned from their experience and and wanted to do something similarly non-traditional because a lot of the, the events that we tend to go through to in academia feature people talking about projects or talking about papers that they've written uh, and it's just sort of presentation after presentation and there are a couple of things missing from that one is sort of open space for people to talk about what they want to do next as opposed to just what they've done in the past and another is the open space to really develop deeper relationships and networks with people that you're bringing together so when we started AE4H we realized, first of all, that you know we're not um, major global players in this space, and that we needed to build a network. And I mean, building its networks get built all the time, and the quality of it really comes down to the quality of relationships between the people. And so, one of the things that we wanted to do is every couple of years bring together a, uh, a hand-picked group of our member people who have become members of AE4H, and have them spend this time together, where they would talk about not just what they've done in the past, but what they do want to do next. And they would, you know, do go through a, a really deeper learning process from each other, a lot of small group work, and a lot of sort of open space to have, you know, deeper conversations that often don't happen at traditional conferences. And uh, and so that was sort of the, the motivator. And, you know, I think it's been really successful to date. And this uh, this meeting was another example of that. In terms of why we chose the people that we did, so one, so we have a sort of core group of universities that are involved with the initiative. There's University of Waterloo, obviously, and then one, and our core partner is the Karlsruhe Institute of Technology in Germany, um, and we also work very closely with the University of Oxford in their Energy and Power Group and Arizona State University in their Grassroots Energy Innovation Lab. And so in the past, we've worked as well with uh, Berkeley as well. And, and there are some others. So there's some sort of key folks that uh, we invite to these things um, because, you know, they sort of play a big role in, in guiding the initiative and, and uh, we do other things in collaboration with them. And then there are, there are also those that are uh, private sector partners of ours. So one, another thing that we do is we run an internship program, which some of your listeners might be interested in, which funds University of Waterloo co-op students to go and work in the energy access sector with small companies that provide energy to uh, impoverished communities in Africa and Asia in particular. 
And so a number of these partners, we also, so folks that are CEOs or CTOs of these uh, small enterprises, we also brought into Waterloo for this one. And then finally, I think, you know, we want to aim for sort of two things fundamentally with the guest list. One is for a, a sort of exciting diversity of people people with different disciplinary expertise that come from different places that work in different places that are a variety of ages and I think that this is one of the most interesting thing that often gets sort of glossed over when we talk about bringing a diversity of views but um, something we certainly learned from the WGSI events is um, bringing in the sort of uh, people who have been at the upper echelon of academia or, you know, wherever it might be for a long time with students that are undergrads, that this is their first conference, that sort of thing, can be a really valuable part of the, the whole thing. So we do aim for that. And then uh, people who just work in different sort of parts of the sector. So public sector, people that make decisions about electrification in the developing world with academics from the natural sciences, from engineering, and people who work in, in private industry, people who work in NGOs that deal with these sort of issues. So there's that diversity that's part of it. But then I think it's also just as important to not lose sight of the fact that we are choosing handpicking people based on the fact that they also are struggling with a couple of core challenges that are the motivators behind the discussions that we're having and that they're they're dealing with those challenges or trying to confront those challenges on a day-to-day basis and so we bring these people together and then they you know instantly start talking about the sorts of things that we want them to be talking about Uh, you know we don't have to sort of do too much of an introduction they already you know get the core themes that's awesome so when I was actually there as part of the event, one of the things that I saw work out quite well is the fact that people already had an idea of what to do with this freedom and flexibility um, on how they conduct themselves during the time slots um, that were provided during the event. But I'm curious, from your, your experience during this time, what are some interesting things that you've seen that were quite unexpected in terms of the collaborations that you were observing? First of all, just to, it, you're right. It is. It's amazing how people just sort of slot into place and just start working. And that's. It's sad that that doesn't happen more often in academia. Um, partly, it's because we sort of set a tone that that's what the whole thing is about. So there's a sort of level of expectation that people are gonna, you know, use the time as it's, you know, because it's their own time. Some of the the things that were sort of interesting that happened that I wasn't expecting. I mean. Um, I think for me, the first thing that I think of is the uh, videos that were recorded by the one team, which you were a part of. Um, So we gave essentially an entire day and during the schedule to for people to go in groups, self-identify what group they wanted to be in based on a theme that we'd chosen in the day before. And then during the course of that that one day of group work, they would be developing, you know, the outline of a working paper or sort of the start of a new project sort of thing. And this one group uh, just turned into a Hollywood production (laughs) studio and cranked out like six videos that they had um, of people. And it was it was very interesting to me because it was uh, the videos were loosely sort of around the theme of how to change the world. And we're also sort of seen to be about, you know, speaking truth to power and, you know, what motivates people to get involved in development work, really. Um, And I thought that that was interesting because it, 
on the outside, you could say that's not really re very related to energy access, or it's not, you know, it's not directly about energy and electrification and mm -hmm. these sort of themes that we were dealing with. But it also spoke to the fact that the theme of the meeting wasn't just energy, but, you know, energy for development. You know, how do we use these new, exciting, clean, affordable energy technologies to do something really positive for economic and social development in places in the world where those challenges of, of development of, are so entrenched. Uh, and, and, you know, so it got people thinking about, about things that go way beyond energy. And part of that is about empowering others. And I think that that's what uh, this group was really getting at. That's awesome. You mentioned earlier that one thing that WISE does in terms of involving undergrads is by connecting them to potential co-ops or internships mm -hmm. with some of the people or organizations in your network. Mm -hmm. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that and how listening undergrads could potentially get information? Yes, absolutely. So uh, first of all, I, I'm very excited about this program. We've been doing it for a little over a year now. And so I'm a, a former UW co-op student myself. And when we were starting to get into this sector, we sort of realized that there's all these great small medium enterprises, um, social enterprises that are really on the forefront of innovation, of, of change in this space. And we wanted to find ways to support them. And I realized that one of the things that they need is, you know, human talent. Uh, so they're all constantly under-resourced given the challenges that they're facing. But we sort of thought, well, maybe we can um, do some matchmaking here. You know, recruit a few really good uh, organizations like this that have some challenges that they want to tackle that they don't have the resources to pour into, but maybe a student could actually move the needle on and use the co-op system through Waterloo Works, you know, just like anything else. And so the one thing that was missing there was funding to make it happen. And we managed to get the funding to do that a couple of years ago. So we have uh, essentially the way that it works is that you'll see jobs posted on Waterloo Works for these organizations. And it's I think usually they're coded under QES or Queen Elizabeth Scholars, okay. which is the name of the funding program through which we get the funding. Right. And I run an info session every term as well. We advertise it a lot through WISE. And essentially the way that it works is that we have these jobs posted. The employers decide who they want to hire, uh, just like any other job. And the student who gets the position gets a scholarship from us of $5,000 uh, to $6,000 to $8,000, depending on if it's a four or eight month work term. Okay. And that's before they leave and, and do their term. Mm -hmm. And then that's in addition to whatever the employer also gives. And this really varies, but for the most part, most employers will provide accommodation and provide airfare. I see. It's not always the case, but often it is. So we've worked with like, I think 10 places now that we've, we've had students go to uh, in Africa, in Asia, um, you name it, all over the place. Um, really interesting organizations. It's a, it's a variety of different skill sets that they're looking at for students. There's no one faculty that we work with. We've had a lot of engineering and environment students mostly, um, but certainly students who are not in one of those faculties could still find a position. There are, there are you know, a variety of different opportunities. So the goal for us is to A, support these interesting organizations and the important work that they're doing, B, to provide some really interesting eye-opening experiences for students 
that allow them to get exposure to the energy access sector and and C, to sort of drive collaboration as well within our, our network, right? So it's a really tangible thing that we do with other folks in the community and it helps us to learn more about what's happening in the field. You can think of the students as sort of, you know, emissaries that go out right. there, are working on some interesting projects, solving some problems, they come back to the to the school to school and we debrief with them and, and you know, we learn from that as well. That's awesome. Are these locations always international or are there some They're domestic? They're always international. Um, so uh, that's a stipulation of the funding. Yeah. Uh, and they're generally in the developing world. Okay. We've had uh, one company in the UK. So we can send students to Commonwealth countries or developing countries. Oh, okay. uh, but usually we aim to have students go close to the people that they are, their companies are serving, you know, right. so that they can have that real world experience, right? right? And that's something that we always talk to the companies that we work with about. We want them to um, be working on a meaningful project and, you know, be used in the ways that are helpful to them, but we don't want to have the student just sitting at an office all day. You know, we want them to gain exposure to, um, you know, real world development issues. Um, and that means being close to, into the field. So if there are any other pieces of content that the listeners are wanting to access that were not included in this uh, commentary, mm-hmm. feel free to check out the length of the clips in full published to hopefully the WISE website. Mm-hmm. And while you're there, might as well check out some of the other interesting things and links that yes. we have on the WISE website. Um, mm-hmm. What are some things that are on there that we could look at? So, I mean, I, I would certainly encourage any students who are interested in potentially doing one of these co-ops mm-hmm. to uh, check out one page that we have on the AE4H website uh, about the program. Uh, and that's aeforh.org slash project slash QES. And that page is constantly updated with when we have new jobs that come out. Not only are they posted in Waterloo Works, but you can read the job descriptions uh, on our website as well. You can also read all of the reports that previous students have written for us about the internships that they've done. Uh, So we do a sort of curated, um, nice short reports that everyone, that all the students do when they come back. And you can also find out, you know, what students are where. We have sort of a scholars in the field section on there. So I would certainly encourage you to check those out uh, if you're interested. And then in general... I would encourage anyone who's listening who's interested in this stuff to reach out directly to me because I'm always happy to field um, requests and inquiries and have conversations like this with uh, with students. (laughs) Okay, cool. All right. Well, I hope you learned a little bit more about the energy sector as you proceed on to these commentary clips. And definitely check out the WISE website once you're done listening because there's a lot more out there to this field than what has been captured in these interviews. There's a lot more you can learn about on the website, a lot more from these reports that uh, Nigel has mentioned, and have fun. Nigel, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to our listening audience about the clean energy sector, the Innovation Lab, and also for providing so many useful links for undergrads looking to, I guess, plan out their next steps in their career in hopefully what is in the future sustainable energy. Thanks for having me. Cheers.